Welcome back to the flip side. Galen Clavio here, along with Brian Moritz, back for an unknown number of minutes here today as we talk about uh, things relating to, I think, basketball today. So if you, yeah. you don't like basketball or you don't like talk about media relating to basketball, this may not be the podcast for you today. But we hope it is. And Brian, happy March Madness to you. Happy March Madness. The best week of the year, as far as I'm concerned. The best two weeks of the year, yeah. really. The, uh, everyone gets hyped up about the first weekend of the NCAA tournament with, and rightfully so, but championship week is up there for me as well with it. Really starting today is we're just before we went on, we were talking about the Mac final and the double A Mac final, not the, not the other Mac final. I just call it the, the Metro because the original the Metro. Metro is no longer. That's right, yeah. and we have the uh, the CAA final ending, yeah. and uh, what else? We have the Horizon League semis going on. It's, yeah, this, it's, this has been a hell of America, a game. Yeah, uh, America East going on as well. My old one of my old conferences. So yeah. lots of good, lots of good. This is really one of the most fun times of the year to kind of be in college basketball, to kind of get reacclimated to it. If you haven't followed it throughout the year, it's kind of you know it's very easy to kind of catch up and catch back in with it. So. Um, yeah, I think I think today we were going to – your idea for a topic was pretty good, the love letter to college basketball. So I like that. I think we can have some fun going with that, along with ripping CBS. So yeah. and, uh, I'll, I'll, let you, I'll let you carry that one. Well, um, before we get to that, uh, our, um, our our beer selections for the day, yes. you, uh, what is yours today? I have the uh, Saranac Legacy IPA, uh, Saranac of Fine Upstate Brewery for a number of years. And the uh, and their IPA, which is a little on the bitter side for my likings, but still pretty solid all around. And yourself? I'm going with the Ballast Point Victory at Sea Imperial Porter, which uh, is a, a porter with the coffee and vanilla flavor. Uh, it's uh, and it is is certainly an imperial. It is uh, it is solidly. Um, is solidly in the two-digit uh, ABV range, so um, yeah. So we'll see how I am at the end of the podcast here. But uh, I, I've been seeing a lot of Ballast Point. I don't know if they're just ma- making a new push, or I'm just happening to see it a lot. But I've noticed, or I'm just noticing a lot more. But I've seen them a lot lately. We uh, just got them in Bloomington. Like they just became available for distribution in Bloomington, and they've got some sales going, which is great. And it's a really tasty beer. I mean, I mean in general, like mm-hmm. the Sculpin. IPA is, Very I think, good. if you were looking for a West Coast equivalent of Bell's Too Hearted, like that would be it. Um, it's it's mm-hmm. like it's that good. I really like Bell's Too Hearted. So, um, so yeah, they they've got some other good ones. They've got a grapefruit beer. Uh, a gra- uh, they've got a pineapple IPA. Mm-hmm. Um, so I haven't tried those out yet. I need to. But uh, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. So no, I wanted to kind of talk about the college basketball scene and and I guess start off on a positive note and really celebrate not just this week not just next week when the tournament then the, the the big tournament starts but even last week you know the uh the opening of the small conference tournaments really starts right. you know right around the end of February like the last day of February first day of March and you know I've tried it's funny this year now that I'm, you know, kind of semi cord cutting, I've, I've got, I've got a lot of time to watch games on on the internet and mm-hmm. being able to watch a lot of the Atlantic Sun games from last week or a lot of games out of of some of these other really small conferences. You know, just 
it re- re- refreshes my mind about why I've enjoyed college basketball as much as I have over the course of time. You know, it's it's really interesting because I feel like college basketball really gets of all of the the sports that we have here in the U.S. probably gets ragged on the most by people. And I think it's curious why that's the case. You know, we get all these people, particularly the the basketball people on Twitter, complaining about the low quality of play or, you know, how how poorly the product compares to the NBA. And, I mean, that's unquestionably true, but I also think it's unquestionably besides the point. Exactly. I agree with you on that. I mean, I've never heard a single person complain that – college football compares poorly to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, and even even if you want to talk about something like college baseball, like people don't sit around and say, God, this is just so much worse than Major League Baseball. I can't believe it. Like, like nobody would right. do that. Um, they, they, people are able to watch the games and enjoy them for what they are, which is a different level of competition, certainly, but uh, one that, while it may lack in across-the-board skill, it it it's also intriguing to watch in many cases because it lacks across-the-board skill. And and you right. know when we when you have the rare instance of teams that are across-the-board skilled, whether it's Kentucky from a couple of years ago or whether it's North Carolina from like 2009 or, you know, teams that are just really dominant because they've got so many ready-made players that are set to go to the NBA. It's, it's almost dull at that point. Mm-hmm. It's almost clinical. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, and obviously you covered the sports, so you have a unique perspective on it, but to mm-hmm. me, it's like, you know, I don't see why of all the sports, college basketball needs to be constantly reminded of its place. Like it just, it seems very insulting to the people that actually like the sport. Well, I think I was thinking about this earlier after you, we texted about the topic. And I think part of it has to do with, there was for a while, I, this certainly isn't the case anymore, but for a while, I think there was a very kind of a certain kind of, you know, media opinion, and not just media opinion, I heard this outside of media, that college basketball was better than the pros, more watchable than the pros. It was, you know, you know, less individual, more team oriented. And a lot of these are cliches, and they're not true when people kind of putting their own narrative on top of what they, uh, you know, what they want to be true and kind of picking out what, and, and seeing what they want to see and picking out what they want to pick out. Um and I mean, certainly, I feel like maybe this hit a, a a a trend right around like the late '90s, kind of like in that post-Jordan NBA when you had like the the Ewing era Knicks and the Olajuwon era Rockets, and pro basketball wasn't necessary. It was very much defensive oriented, and you had those like 80 to 75 playoff games, and they weren't the the, and, the, and, the Pat Riley era. The Pat Riley era, exactly. And you know, I think that um. So I think that some of that, the the what you see, especially on Twitter, is kind of the you know everlasting pushback against that in a way. I think that you know in a lot of in a lot of way, I think people don't really pay attention to college basketball until next weekend, maybe this weekend, but especially next weekend is when most people really start to watch a serious and significant amount of college basketball. And you know, so combine you know let. Poor, you know, generally speaking, poor play for a lot of reasons. Fewer right. upperclassmen, you know, more balance, less practice time, all this stuff that are that is, you know, actual thing. 
plus, you know, a small sample size where if you get, if you have seven games on a weekend and four of them stink, well, all of a sudden that's dominant that these four, that, that, that the play is terrible. Plus people not really watching the sport throughout the season. And what's going to be interesting, especially this year, I think, is you're having college basketball go up against the Warriors in the NBA, who are arguably, maybe inarguably, kind of like the most compelling, most entertaining overall show, overall viewing experience in sports right now. And so you're going to have, you know, college basketball teams shooting 33% on the college arc when you can flip over and see Steph Curry hitting better than that from wherever he wants to, except when he plays the Lakers, apparently. But I think you just have that, that, that interesting combination of, um, of factors going in. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, college basketball is kind of like my first love, you know, in terms of journalism. I mean, I have really deep roots going into college basketball. I was thinking about this today. My great uncle on my mom's side was the team physician to the Canisius basketball team back in the fifties and sixties. He's in the, the school's hall of fame. And back then, back in the 50s and 60s in Buffalo, they would have basketball double headers at the odd every Saturday. At the, the odd, which was the Sabres home before they built first Niagara Center about 20 years ago. And it was, and it was called the Little Three. So it was St. Bonaventure, Canisius, and Niagara. Canisius and Niagara now in the Metro, uh, Bonaventure in the A10 and going to the NCAA tournament, no matter what you say in your brackets. Um, but we have, um, but they would, so they would have double headers there every Saturday. And my grandfather was actually the, the stat keeper for those games. He would keep the official book. So, you know, it's just kind of been passed down in my family throughout this. And my first job covering basketball, covering sports out of college was basketball. And I covered basketball for the whole 10 years. And it really is just, you know, in, in totality and especially this time of year is it was my favorite time as a reporter. It's the one time of year where I kind of miss it. And it's just, it's just the, it's just fun to be around the sport this time of year. It's kind of like a reward for being around it all year. Right. Well, look, I I, I don't think there's any question. You know, look, I, I'm in this group of guys that really enjoys the game. It's the group. You ever a shameless plug, and I don't do anything for the site really except just like push links, but go to Hoops HD. Uh, they do, they do weekly. I used to do a weekly college basketball podcast. It was my favorite thing to do. I just haven't had time in the last couple of years. And, you know, but they've taken that over. They do all these bracket breakdowns. They do like a, a nightly bracket podcast breakdown throughout the course of this week. Nice. Uh, they're really into it. And I've been into it for a long time. And even among us, like we've talked about the problems with with you know some aspects of the game and how it could be made to be more appealing and whether that's you know changing the season so that the the season starts at the end of the fall semester um mm-hmm. make it a one semester sport rather than have it straddling two right or, you know or or loosen up to some degree even more like they were supposed to have the freedom of movement rules this year and and of course officials have started reverting back to not allowing much freedom of movement at all um mm-hmm. You know, it was, you know, when Bob Ryan was here, uh, I got a chance to talk to him quite a bit, and he, of course, follows basketball very closely. Oh, my God, yeah. Um, and, you know, he's, he's always frustrated at, at how, like, um, you know, cynically defensive minded a lot of college coaches are, um, you know, because, well, he, it, it, the, the impression I got from him, he felt there were a lot of popular coaches who, 
they they kind of dwell within this defensive shell where they try to control every aspect of the game. They try their whole purpose is limiting the opposition from scoring and not necessarily worrying about their own scoring. And I Mm -hmm. I tend to agree. You know, I mean, I I think I think having a a great defense is is an important part of victory. But all the statistics have shown us that having a good offense is also an important part of victory. And, Mm -hmm. you know, so there's those things without question. But, you know, there's there's. The, my my biggest issue, and I look, I I really enjoy watching the NBA. I didn't really enjoy watching the NBA during the period you were talking about, and it really took me until about oh six oh seven before I got back into watching the NBA on a a semi regular basis. I quite enjoyed the NBA last year, and I've enjoyed it a lot this year as well. But they're different products to me. Right. You know, I'm expecting the NBA to be the best teams in the world, and I'm expecting you know. But it's funny because they're the best teams in the world, but um. But the strategies are all very similar to one another to a large degree. I mean, you get a breakthrough team like the Warriors, and that's great, but everybody thought the Warriors thing wasn't going to work until it did. Now everybody's copying the Warriors. Yeah, it's exactly. Come back to to that. I have 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 a thought about that, but keep going. Yeah, all I was going to say there is it's exactly what happens in the NFL, too. But, Mm -hmm. you know, but so I think that that's, that's part of the issue is that because you've got such a consistency in terms of talent level, you end up with the homogenization to some degree about the way the game is played and what what many observers, the people that we're talking about who complain about college basketball, what they seem to enjoy the most in the NBA is, uh, you know, things that frankly are... They're 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 still predictable even in their unpredictability. Like, you know, you, you can only have so many, like... 26 foot three point shots from Steph Curry before you're like okay well that's great we have seen this before it doesn't necessarily make it any less incredible but it does make it less shocking right um you know you can only have so many like ridiculous athletic dunks by LeBron James same sort of deal uh, and I still enjoy those things but I think that there's so, there's a there's a certain class of of pundit and fan who seems to get really turned on by that and like that's their main thing Right. And look, I mean, I like those plays, but I also enjoy seeing the sorts of things you see in college basketball where you know that you're dealing with players that aren't necessarily at the top of their game mm-hmm. or at the top of the game. Uh, and yet uh, when you've got, um, you know, an uncertainty on the floor, it lends itself to an uncertainty in terms of what you're seeing. And when the stakes are high, uh, you know, what you get in some high-profile games in the conference season, which you certainly get during championship week, you get some unbelievable action, some unbelievable basketball. And, and to me, I have more excellent memories from watching those sorts of games and, and those sorts of experiences than I have with most other yeah. things in sports. Yeah, there, there, there's a certain level of, um, I don't know, emotion, for lack of a better word, I'm, I'm having trouble placing it, that, that kind of comes in watching college basketball and experiencing it than at the pro level. And one of the things I really, really love about college basketball, and, you know, this is shaped by my professional experience, you know, not just covering St. Bonaventure, because, you know, they're an A-10 school, so they're like, that mid-major, you know, when when I was covering their, them was when David West and Romain Sato and Xavier came up big. And that was the – Xavier was starting to make the claim that we're not a mid-major, we're a major, and that whole semantic argument. But, you know, enough on the border of big-time basketball to see it. 
Um, but then I spent, I was five years in the America East and, you know, you know, the, the, the conference that splits up its conference tournament over two weekends because ESPN tells it to. Um, it will, it holds its semifinal, its first three rounds this weekend and then has its final game. Championship game is going to be Saturday. It's usually Saturday afternoon at the highest remaining seeds gym. And that's because ESPN wants the, 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 you know, the crazy gym and the good atmosphere. And, you know, you don't want Binghamton versus Albany at UMBC in front of 18 people or, you know, just the 35 alumni who come or whatever. Um, and I, and what I love about college basketball is just like those, you know, I, I really came to love and appreciate those, those kind of different levels. And I think a lot of the criticism that comes from, comes toward college basketball comes from a certain national pundit or a certain national blogger, a class of pundit or blogger who looks at, at college basketball only as, you know, the NBA's minor league. Right. Or what's next for the NBA or how is this going to translate to the NBA? And I think that's missing so much of the fun of it. You know, there is, you know, and, and you know, there is what I love about the, well, I think why I think the NCAA tournament is our, our sporting calendar's best event, especially that opening weekend is you get a team like Stony Brook from the America East. You get, or Binghamton when they made it, or even if Bonaventure gets an at-large bid this year, no matter what their seed is, no matter what their conference, that's huge for that school. Just yeah. making it to that first weekend, like that's the equivalent of Indiana, North Carolina making the final four. And it is as equally strong and important to the people of that school as, you know, as for, you know, Indiana making a run to the final four or something like that. And I love that. I think that's a great, equalizer that's a great democratizer and it just makes for just such awesome and fun theater to watch you know to be watching the games and um you know and and the one game only of it is is awesome you know that's part mm-hmm. of the one of the problem with the nba with the you know not the problem with the nba but watching the nba it's best of seven so you know we've talked in my sports writing class about the warriors a lot this year and you know it comes down to is any team gonna beat the warriors four games out of seven Maybe San Antonio because they're freakishly odd. You know, they could they could set the all time wins record. They they could have seventy three wins at this pace and still be the number two seed, which right. is kind of insane. Um, but you know, I just love that 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 aspect. You know, it just it it may it makes it so much fun. And, you know, the the two random teams you're watching on a Thursday afternoon and what you know you pick one team because you pick them in your bracket or. You know, whatever random reason you start, you, you start following, you, you start liking them. And I don't know, I just, there, there's, there's something very unanalytic and unscientific, but very aesthetically fun about the NCAA tournament and about this whole month of college basketball. And I think that, you know, for people just kind of get too bogged down in the, um, in the, you know, are these guys going pro or is the level of college basketball any good or are these games any good? That's why, you know, for me, the NCAA tournament gets less fun after the first weekend. You know, the stakes get better. The games sometimes get better. The talent level usually improves. But by the time you're in the NCAA, the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight and even into the Final Four, it's just kind of like, okay, these are good teams playing again. It doesn't have that, that, you know, that 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 specialness oh. unless you get unless you get a you know a butler run and even butler was a five seed the year they made the the the, the, the tournament or a george mason i haven't read the big article i think it was in norlander it was on C- it was on cbs norlander CBS. Wrote it. The, the uh the the um george mason and how they changed the ncaa tournament now what what was his did you read it uh i haven't read it yet no 
Okay, I was just wondering if you had read like what his, you know, how they changed it, you know, what the like the general kind of hook there was. Because I remember that year vividly, and that was a great year and a great fun team. But um, yeah, I don't know. You know. And again, maybe that's a media te- uh, tendency we have is to take this great run, and it's not just a fun run; it has to change everything. Which right. I don't- no, if it does, and I, I don't know. I haven't read the story, so I can't comment on it. Just in general, that's a thing that kind of bugs me. Yeah, I mean, look, I think people want to have an affiliation or feel an affiliation to the what they're watching. I get that. And look, you know, I'm, I'm preconditioned to really enjoying college basketball. I watch games all the time, even if they're not. Featuring even if they feature teams that don't have a, a player that has a shot at playing in Europe, let alone in the NBA, right. um, you know, because I I generally enjoy the peaks and the valleys of the sport, and you know, I mean, my attitude might be different if I was uh, you know a fan of a team that had had been you know just at the very top of college basketball for years, but uh, I, you know, I mean. The, the 2000s, which which were, were kind of a dark time for IU basketball in general, um, you know, kind of opened my eyes to all the other things going on in college basketball, and I found that I, you know, I there it's enjoyable stuff. It there's there's games on basically six nights a week, and um, you know, I I think it's even though the season's probably overly long, and even though there's uh, there's certain things about the way the game is played that I have questions about. At the end of the day, I I feel pretty good about um, you know how the season looks by the time that this time of year rolls around, and mm-hmm. uh, but I think you hit upon something that's really important to me in evaluating all of this, which is the way that the sport is promoted is is very much doing it a disservice, I believe. Uh, okay. So you know, ESPN. I, I don't want to pick on ESPN too much because ESPN really made college basketball into the popular sport that it became. I mean, I don't think there's any question about that. It was, no question. Yeah. It, it was, and, and look, I mean, college basketball helped ESPN too. I mean, it was, it, it, ESPN. Very symbiotic relationship, yeah. Very much so. I mean, you know, e, e, that was a huge time filler content wise, and it was a huge driver of traffic to the network. Um, but that said, what they've done with the coverage recently, I don't agree with. You know, the the focus on the green room guys. Uh, you know, that's their thing this year, where you know they're they're constantly talking about guys that'll be in the green room. Like, and, and most of their coverage gets focused around, okay, who are the guys that are going to be drafted in the NBA? Uh, and and then you know the the obs- you know borderline obsessive coverage of Ben Simmons. This oh, yeah. year on the on the network, like to the point of ridiculousness. I mean, look, I don't. I think he's a good player. I think he's he's got a lot of potential, but he was on just a terrible team, and right. or not terrible, but I mean, not a good, not a team that's certainly not going to make the NCAA tournament unless they win the auto bid, and and yet, you know, the the focus, the consistent focus on that just kind of lays bare how desperately ESPN is trying to cross promote their NBA coverage, which is really their crown jewel, with what they've got going in college basketball. And I think that that's a mistake because when you subordinate, nobody would think of subordinating college football to pro football. Like, you know, if if you ever were like, oh, well, we're going to, we're going to center our college football playoff coverage around having Bill Polian come on and talk about the 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 NBA the NFL prospects of the guys that are in the team. I mean, people would get pissed. 
Right. Uh, and yet, that's what you see more often than not from ESPN and the way that they're covering college basketball right now. And I, I think it's something that they frankly need to reconsider. I think their announcing crews don't do a great job with the game because kind of because of that issue we were talking about last week or two weeks ago because most of them are ex-coaches and they're like exceedingly chummy with the current coaches. So there's not a lot of real cogent analysis of what's going on in terms of like actual strategic conversation. Mm-hmm. But to me, the biggest offender right now is CBS. And, and I think okay. that if you look at the way CBS has, has structured their March Madness coverage, they basically decided we're just going to treat this like an audition for the NBA. Uh, and, you know, and we're going to have, you know, friggin' Charles Barkley and Kenny Smith and Ernie Johnson in the studio. We're going to have Steve Smith in the studio. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, you know, I, I mean, the players all played college basketball at one point, but they have no clue what's going on in the game. They're all employed by the, by either TNT or NBA TV. They're there to talk about how good a, a player looks in terms of what they think a good player looks like uh, on the pro level. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of an embarrassing way to set things up because there you are, you're, you know, for, for those of us who watch the, the sport all year, the things that they say oftentimes don't have a lot of bearing in the reality of what actually went on during the season. And, right. and that makes me think, okay, well, somebody who's just tuning in and this is the only time they really pay attention to college basketball, they're basically learning nothing of value about the actual college teams and the programs and the things that are going on in and around them. What they're learning is um, this very narrowly defined uh, focus on the parts of the commentators about, you know, from their perspective as NBA observers, what's going on on the floor. And, and you know, to me, that's irresponsible on the part of, of a broadcaster. Like, again, I'd like you to find a sport that wouldn't be up in arms about their sport being broadcast that way. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. I hadn't thought of Kenny Smith and Barkley and those guys being on the uh, on the. I've forgotten they they do the the studio work during the uh, during the NCAA tournament after this whole deal with Turner. Um, but I mean, I, I I'm fascinated by the point you bring up about ESPN and how, especially since it got the NBA, I forget when they got the NBA, like mid 2000s. It was I like think. two. It was like 2002, 2002, okay, 2002, 2003. And yeah, that's that's interesting. That you know, so much of their coverage is really framed around, okay, well, what's this guy going to do at the next level? Who can be a good pro prospect? Um, and um, yeah, it just you know, there, 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 there's, you know, I don't know if this is the, how much basis has in reality, but it does feel like there's that lack of kind of respect for college basketball at, as its own entity and, and as its own thing. Um, and, and you brought up something earlier, you know, this whole push to make it a one semester sport or to move, to move it back so that, you know, the NCAA, so that the season doesn't kind of, um, conflict with the NFL and the end of the growing NFL calendar and, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's one, one area where I'm probably a, a more of a traditionalist than, than not. I, I mean, the, the only problem I see in the, in the schedule is that you have that huge gap right around the end of the year, right around the end of the year. Now, I know it's tangentially for finals, but, you know, um, it's the one time college, college sports cares about academics is when they schedule basketball games around finals in December. Um, but that really does feel like when they stretch, they're, they're stretching it out. 
um, to, to kind of fill it. But like, I like the idea of it being in, Mar- you know, there's something to, familiar to the feel of it being in March and, you know, the idea of March madness and yes, it's trademarked all copyright to the NCAA and all that. Um, but you know, I, 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 I don't, yeah, I, I, I haven't thought about CBS because I actually, I, the one thing I do like that CBS is doing, and this is from a purely consumer point of view, and TBS and Turner is the March Madness on demand, the on the online availability of the games, and the and and the ability to watch on dev- on multiple devices, not just through a computer, not just through streaming, but through iPad, through your through your phone, through your iPad, through the app, and the experience is actually pretty good. Um, as someone as you know, being someone being married to someone who hates basketball i mean capital all cap letters hates basketball you know it's very it's a it's a very nice option to be able to say oh we don't you know instead of having to to you know either figure out what to watch on tv just throw it on the on the ipad and be able to watch and be able to flip back and forth between games i think that's a really good viewer experience um and it's you know unique to the NCAA tournament in that multiple games being broadcast on multiple networks and stuff like that. But I, but you know, that's, and, and you need a cable subscription to do it. It's not, I don't believe it's completely cord cutter yet. Um, I have my workarounds on that, but I feel like that that's a really interesting, you know, from someone just as a strict viewer of, of college sports and a viewer of sports, I, I, I think that's a really interesting way, you know, to watch, to watch it and to think about kind of, you know, where we're going in terms of the future of, televised sports and you know the 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 flexibility and the availability of games on these platforms and on these you know technological platforms and broadcast platforms that that i like and that you know kind of giving you know giving you more power so that you're not stuck with um you know a local game that you know it's a bad game but it's a somewhat local team so they can't switch so like up here if syracuse were getting pounded or pounding somebody they would stick with it all throughout because Syracuse is a local team and the fans here, people here want to see Syracuse, but there's a three point game going on somewhere else, but they're not going to switch to it because of the the local broadcasters. So that I, I give Turner and CBS and the NCAA well, credit for however you want to divvy up credit on that. Um, I know so, it's far field from your criticisms. But. No, 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 no. It's, it's something that has to be taken into account. Um, it's funny. I I have a completely different perspective on that. So sure. I this is part of growing up in a house that had a big dish satellite when I was younger. Okay. So we always got all the games. And yeah. in fact, like I would I never went on spring break uh because I would always go back home to my parents' house and I would watch the games with my dad. Like that was a thing. We'd watch all the first weekend games and all because we could get them all and we could flip back and forth. And then I remember I had Direct TV. And DirecTV had the March Madness package that you could buy. And it was like twenty bucks, and they had four dedicated channels to uh, to the games. And so, I like the streaming. It took them a long. I remember I first had to try the streaming out in two thousand and three. Let me okay. tell you. Let me tell you something. Streaming <laughs> streaming video in two thousand three. I mean that that predates Facebook, right. uh, and that was not a great experience. Um, but. You know, that said, I do give them credit for making the games more accessible than they used to be. And, you know, I used to get 
mad about, you know, they do the live look-in thing, but the whole idea was based on their NFL coverage. It was like, oh, your region's getting one game, and that's it. And that just, I, I always hated that mentality. And so I'm glad it's different now. I think that is good. I even like the fact that they've stretched the schedule out a little bit uh, as far as the start times are concerned. Mm-hmm. You know, they've, uh, you know, but but even with that, it's like um, they, the the way that they, Set the games up in those first two rounds. Um, I feel like they they could do more to promote people watching them during the the day. Like it's almost like they're embarrassed that they're cutting into their daytime TV schedule hmm. to air the games on Thursday and Friday, and uh, which is a shame because the best games are always like Thursday afternoon and Friday afternoon. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so I don't know. I maybe I'm maybe I'm just I don't have a clear enough head on it all. But uh, I would love to see what a different broadcast partner would do with the the tournament. We, we probably won't ever know. Like CBS, that's like one of the things oh, yeah. that they're never going to let go of. Right. But but yeah, imagine like you know, imagine an ESPN outfit where you have a coach the coaches room for the title game, but for you know, just four, co- you know, six coaches watching all the early games and have that on and and breaking that down. That would be fascinating. That would be that would be very cool. And the but yeah, no way CBS and Turner are, are giving up this Golden Goose. That's that's not not a chance in that. Um, so do you have you know I'm not going to say favorite March Madness memory because that, that we that's you know three podcasts right there. But I, I, if we're kind of doing this you know kind of you know, this love letter to college basketball, I mean some of your favorite things about you know, memories or like things about this time of year. I mean, to start you off, a couple things. Like my favorite thing about covering the covering college basketball was always the conference tournament because everybody was in the gym. Like you had every, you know, I, I vividly remember the first America East conference tournament I covered, and it was at Binghamton. It was in their their then new arena, and it was the year that Vermont beat Syracuse in the in the first round of the tournament. So this would have been two thousand the 2005 tournament. Okay. Uh, I was the year with, uh, Coppenrath, uh, TJ Sorensen, Taylor Coppenrath. It was Tom Brennan's last year there. I remember that very clearly. Yeah. And, um, just a really fun team. And I remember, you know, Tom, you know, that the first night it was like the playing game. I think it was UMBC and maybe New Hampshire, you know, it it was a nothing game, but you know, the place was pretty full and the, the whole league is there. Like, you know, know, Albany walking around, you know, Tom Brennan holding court. And I just, I, I always love that notion of like the entire league is here. That's why I love conference tournaments so much is like everybody is there. And it, and it's just, you know, from a reporter standpoint, it's great stories, great chance to just talk with people. Um, it's a lot of fun. And the one memory I've been thinking of today when we're talking about this is it was last year. The coach who fell off his stool. Oh, well, yeah. Well, no, Ron Hunter. You're thinking of Ron I, Hunter. Yes, yeah. I am. I And I remember watching that because his son hit the three. Like, yep. he hurt himself celebrating his son's game-winning shot. And then he and then it's, they, they hit another one, and he falls off the stool. I'm like, this, that is it. That's, yep. If you're looking for college basketball, why it's awesome, like, you cannot, you can do no worse than that right there. Yeah. So. I mean, I have a lot, a lot of memories. I mean, I remember, like, you know, when I was growing up, like, really young, I mean, like, six, seven years old, eight years old, I really, I hadn't gotten into it as much. I was really into IU basketball. Like, that was the big thing in the house. But we really didn't watch a lot of games outside of IU. And then in 88 or 89, I started paying attention more and more. And I remember, I remember, you know, some vivid memories. I remember in 89, 
Uh, and this wasn't even an NCAA tournament memory, but I remember the Metro Atlantic Athletic Conference was their their tournament was being held, I believe, at Siena, and there yeah. was like a there was like a, a quarantine a quarantine, yes. and they had like they had to, so there was nobody in the stands. My then, best friend is Albany, and he rem- he talks about this game all the time. Yep, yeah, the, the quarantine game. Yep. And I, you know, and I can, so I remember that very clearly. I was like nine or 10 when that happened. And I remember, um, you know, I can remember a couple, I think Evansville won a game in the tournament that year, which was unique for them. And, and I just, you know, I really started watching the tournament every year when we were at a place when, where I could watch it. You know, I remember being upset when I was in sixth grade because I, I had to stay in school until 2.30. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I missed the first tournament games, you know, so I rushed home and I missed like Miami of Ohio almost beat North Carolina. Uh, and I was upset that I had missed that. And, you know, so, the, you know, those sorts of like bits and pieces of memories kind of mm-hmm. pop up. I remember uh, in 98, uh, it was my freshman year of college. And, uh, you know, I left school for spring break on I had class Thursday night, so I had to leave Friday morning at like 11.30 or noon, and I remember driving the two hours back home, and I was listening to a game on the radio, and it was Ole Miss Valpo, and I and I got, I remember parking the car, I ran downstairs when I got home, and, and I, I got there just in time to watch the final, like, two plays of the Ole Miss Valpo game, and that's the famous one with Bryce Drew hitting the game-winning yes. three-pointer. Yep. Uh, you know, and so like, I remember that very clearly and, you know, it's just stuff like that, 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 uh, I mean, it's been such a constant, there's been tournaments where I haven't had a chance to watch very much. Like, and, and I feel like I really missed out on those because it's, I was, I, you know, I, it would be rough when I was working in sports because I was generally working in something other than college basketball mm-hmm. and I wasn't able to watch a lot of games for a lot of years. And so, you know, I've been fortunate because my spring break here at IU always falls on the first weekend of the tournament, and I I never go anywhere. If, if mm-hmm. you know, the one time I've I know I, I you know I might try going somewhere this year to go like if IU is close, I might go and watch them in the tournament. That hasn't that hasn't been something we've had to worry about that often over the last you know seven years, but uh, but I might go somewhere if that's the case, and. um That'll be, that's like the only reason why I would miss the games. Cause I just love sitting there with all the televisions and all the computers yeah. set up and just watching the whole thing kind of wash over me. Yeah. A couple of memories that popped into my head. We won't, we won't keep going cause we could literally do like a whole series on Mars Madness memories. But I remember <laughs> this is a funny story, but so in my junior year of high school, this would have been 94, the year of the 94 tournament, uh, we had an, I was taking AP history. And we and, and our teacher was a huge college basketball fan. We had a bunch of college basketball dorks in the classroom like me. And we would spend a lot of time every day talking, you know, a few minutes every day talking about college basketball before we got into the history lesson. And so and I was an obnoxious North Carolina fan back in high school, still somewhat a Carolina fan. But I was they were my team and I was really obnoxious about it. And so um, the, the the after selection Sunday, we spent the entire Monday class doing a class bracket where everyone filled out a bracket. And that was the year Carolina was a top seed and lost to Boston College. And it was the Bill Curley year when they right. beat um, Carolina. So I, I'm, I'm, I don't want to go to school the next day. I know what's coming in. It's first period. So there's like no, you know, rip the Band-Aid off. 
walk into class, teacher go, walks to the board where he would walk, write the outline for the day, and at the top of the board he wrote, way to go, BC. <laughs> and he did that every day that week. Um, so there's that. But one thing I remember, too, is you're talking about watching, being somewhere you can watch all the games. And you know, I've covered, I was lucky enough, I covered three NCAA tournaments in person. Bonaventure making it in 2000 when they played Kentucky to double overtime. Binghamton in 2009, my last year as a reporter, when they lost to Duke and Greensboro. And then in 2004, there was a regional in Buffalo that I covered. And it was the year St. Joe's had went undefeated and was a number one seed going into the... Oh, no, they were they had lost... They were number one seed, but they had lost in the A-10 tournament. They had been undefeated all through the year. It was the Jameer Nelson... Delonte West mm-hmm. year. Yep. And I remember being in the press room in that game. And, you know, that was a fun year because, like, I had covered St. Joe's a lot that year. And so I wasn't a St. Joe's beat guy, obviously, but it was close enough. And I remember Manhattan was playing Florida. It was a 5-12 game. And Manhattan is in the, the Metro Mac. And so the, 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 they had come through Buffalo a lot. And everyone there had picked – Manhattan was a loaded team that year. And it was a crappy Billy Donovan team. And we had all called that game. Like everyone in that, in that media room that was like – had called that. And Manhattan in the first game ended up smoking Florida. And it was just that, that one of the first times I remembered like the upset that, you, that you're like, no, we had this. We had this peg the whole way. We knew it. Um, it's just like, you know, stupid stuff like that. It's a great time to be in a media room that first weekend of the NCAA tournament. It's yeah. so much fun. So I've only ever, I only ever got to cover one as a media member. And it was, it was the, uh, the Buffalo regional in 2000 when, uh, yes, I was in the stands for that game. Yeah. That, that was, was uh, Billy Knight's about uh, Billy Knight's Bobby Knight's last game. It and, was. Uh, at, uh, he lost to Pepperdine, right? Very good, very good memory. Yes, coached by Jan Van Bredikoff, who I ran out of college basketball. Yes, you did. You're welcome. <laughs> I was a little late for that, you know. I, but uh, oh, and oh, didn't Pepperdine have a ba- no? That was uh, Saint Seton Hall. That was the the regional where like huh? they yeah. had a backup guard come in. Was that God? No, he was at somewhere else. They uh, had a backup point guard come in and like ripped off a huge game, and they advanced. Yeah, can you can you uh, can you who did they advance against? Do you remember? They beat. I know. Did they beat Temple? Yeah, they beat Temple. They beat Temple. That was Pepe Sanchez's senior year. I that was the 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 team I covered. Um, Yeah, so that was that was a good regional. It really was. was Oklahoma State was in that regional. Uh, Oregon was in that regional. Uh, Yeah, yeah. that was a tough one um, because we like. Drove up and, you know, it had been a rough couple of weeks with IU basketball because they, okay. they, you know, from a month, a month left in the season, they were like ranked 11th and they lost like five of their last eight. And okay. then the Neil Reed tape broke. Oh, that's right. And then in the warmups for the Pepperdine game, our like starting power forward like injured his knee and was out for the whole game. Ooh. And, and I had spent like three hours arguing with the Metro Atlantic um, media person who was running Media Row because we okay. were supposed to have a phone line uh, to broadcast the uh. game, and she claimed that we weren't supposed to have one and wouldn't set it up. And so we cool. we had driven twelve hours through a snowstorm to get out to that yep. that regional, and we thought we had just basically gone for nothing. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I happened to sit down next to these two guys who worked for HSBC Arena, which had ju- the name had just changed from Marine yes. Midland, and um, and we were telling them, yeah, you know, well, they haven't set our phone line up, and they're like, oh, we can do that for you. We're part of uh, like Arena Tech 
support. So they just okay. they just wired the phone line up for us, and we got to broadcast the game after all. And then very nice. Kind of wish we hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was uh, Shaheen Holloway was the senior guard on that Seton Hall team, and it was Ty Shine who came in as a sophomore yeah. to uh, to pull that off. Um, going off of Wikipedia, which is never wrong. Um, I believe I, I believe Wikipedia in this instance. Yeah, That's absolutely. Funny. That's funny. So. Anyway, well, look, I I uh, I wish. I think the last thing I'll say on this topic and the last thing I'll say in the podcast is the I feel like if if there's any sport that needs a czar or a commissioner or somebody like somebody to actually advocate on its behalf when the, you know when it comes time to talking to networks about coverage when it comes time to talking about how the sport is set up when it comes time to dealing with officials it's college basketball like to some degree College football, you know, suffers from an overabundance of care. You've got the conference commissioners and you've got the television executives who all are like trying to protect this golden goose. And I feel like college basketball doesn't have anybody really looking out right. for its best interests. I would love it if somebody could step in and do that. I doubt it'll ever happen, but I think that's what the sport needs. Uh, cause I think it's got a lot to advertise and I just don't think it's got anybody out there advertising for it. Interesting. That'd be, I, I agree with you. Possible, you know, there's a topic for future podcasts. If, if you're the czar of college basketball, what do you do? Oh yeah. We'll, we'll do that in the future. Excellent. So, yeah. so I, I vote Ty Shine for, for czar of college basketball to kind of tie all the loops together. Although didn't he beat somebody up in the locker room? Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not sure if he's the best choice. No, but no, no. <laughs> I think, I think we'll, we'll walk away from that one. <laughs> it's like, it's like nominating John Cheney as the czar of college basketball. Like I, there's, oh, I can tell you John Cheney stories for now. For, I would, nominate him as our college basketball I, I i will defend john cheney for no i like i like not. john cheney he went out it was a it was a tough way to go out for him but he, uh he went he, he got caught at a, he, he did a bad thing at a bad time to do that sort of thing but um yeah but anyway so anyway um, well hey yeah good stuff as always and yeah. uh we'll and we are we are waiting on itunes approval still um apple any day you want to do that but in the meantime you can always find us at sportsmediaguy.com check on the click on the flip side uh link for all our all our past episodes and present episodes and uh you can always find us there you can find me on twitter bp morris you can find galen at dr cg and gc dr gc i'll get it right one of these times <laughs> and um and yeah, uh, enjoy the rest of the enjoy this week. Um, are you going to be able to do next week with uh, IX? Well, probably not. Uh, I would say it's not IX. It's because it's uh, it's spring break, and I think I might oh, okay. be I might be out just because of spring break. But you never know. Sure. We might be. We might. I might. I might force you to tape something with me uh, remotely from IX. So okay. uh, we'll have to. We'll we'll see what happens. All right, sounds good. So stay tuned to our to Twitter and to the website for further updates on our next episode. Thanks for listening, folks. We will catch you on the flip side. So long, everybody.